At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. out or, or leave not it in. at all. Or leave I'm it just going to leave it in. Oh, God. All right. Hi, everybody. Hello. Um, and... Oh, well. God. <laughs> all right. Ready and... to go. Okay. Okay. Hello, everybody. You okay. done? Are we good? Okay. Can we go now? Ready. Okay. Go. I'm going to talk. Okay. Okay. Hi, everybody. And welcome to Top Shelf Oscars Best Pictures. Yay! Yay! All right. So, for those of you who did not listen to Top Shelf AFI 100, I am Lindsay, and I was one of the co-hosts of that podcast, which ran for about two and a half years. My co-host, Jeff, is now hosting a series of Disney's animated films with our friend T.C. DeWitt. And joining me for this podcast is... Can I say it? Yes, you can talk Can I say it? Hi! (laughs) Hello! I'm Colin. Um, I was the other half of, if you guys actually listen to the channel, uh, Super Happy Fun Time. I was on that. I was along with a couple of episodes of Top Shelf, uh, with the AFI podcast. So, um, And all of these are on the Ghost Hat Network, of which we are all founding members of. Yes. Um, just as a heads up to everybody, we're recording this in our living room, and if you hear strange sounds, um, it is our cat who is currently chewing on a paper bag, just because just she knows we're doing things teach. that are important. Stop it. Okay. So, a little bit of background. We are going to watch the, I believe it's eighty-nine Oscar Best Picture winners, starting today with. The most... Is it 89? It's 89, I checked okay. right before. Because we thought it was 79. Okay. 89. The, we just had the 89th Annual Academy Awards in the very beginning of March, correct? Yeah, very beginning of end March. End of February. Probably. Oh, end, end of February. I thought it was March 5th. It's end of February. Okay, end of February. <laughs> anyway, sorry. You're going to get a lot of that on this. I can, I can tell you that already. <laughs> um, so, we are going... We just finished watching Moonlight, the Best Picture winner for 20... We'll say the 89th Annual Academy Awards because I always get confused with the year thing. Yeah. Um, so we are basically just going to have a conversation about our thoughts on the film, a couple other things, give you guys some background information on it. Just as a quick disclaimer, we are in no way film experts. We have not studied film. We don't know all the ins and outs of film. We just really like film. We're just big film enthusiasts. We're big movie buffs. Film enthusiasts. So, things are, we're going to get things wrong. I'm really good at pronouncing things incorrectly. Um, so, just know that. We are not purporting to be experts in anything. This is just a recorded conversation between two people who like movies. Correct. All right. Just put right. that disclaimer out there. So. So, Moonlight. 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 If you watched the Oscars this year, you know all the controversy surrounding what happened with Moonlight winning Best mm-hmm. Picture, so let's just get that out of the way first. So Moonlight was from 2016. It is a drama. It's rated R, and it's 151 minutes long. 
it won even though La La Land, also from 2016, was announced as the winner, which, just as a quick bit of information, this is the first time in 89 years that that has happened, as the film or person who won was announced as the winner, but was actually not the winner. So we're just going to cover that. That's it. We're all, it's all I'm going to say yeah. about it. I will point out, though, when we get into the discussion, a little bit more about mm-hmm. that. So sure. just a little bit about the film. It's quick... Quick synopsis. I really like the one that's on IMDb, so I'm going to read that. Okay. Three time periods, young adolescent, middle teen, and young adult in the life of African-American gay Chiron is presented. When a child, Chiron lives with his single crack addict mother Paula in a crime-ridden neighborhood in Miami. Chiron is shy, withdrawn, and lar- which is largely due to his small size and being neglected by his mother, who is more concerned about getting her fixes and satisfying her carnal needs than taking care of him. Because of these issues, Chiron is bullied, the slurs hurled at him, which he doesn't understand beyond knowing that they are meant to hurt- be hurtful. By his side is his same-age Cuban-American friend named Kevin. Chiron is given what little guidance he has in life from a neighbor drug dealer named Juan, who can see that he is neglected, and Juan's caring girlfriend, Teresa, whose home acts as a sanctuary away from the bullies and away from Paula's abuse. With this childhood as a foundation, Chiron may have a predetermined path in life, one that will only be magnified in terms of its problems when he reaches his difficult teen years, when peer pressure affects what he and many of his peers do, unless he follows Juan's advice of truly making his own decisions for himself. I thought that was a nice... A little long-winded, but mostly yeah. concise synopsis of the film. And that's, that's a good thing to actually say about this film. It gives a little more detail yeah. than just, here's what the movie's about. Yeah, because it's like that is actually kind of true. They kind of go into a movie not telling you anything. Mm-mm. It just and starts. And just lets you figure it out for yourself. Yeah. So before we get into our discussion, um, this was written and directed by Barry Jenkins. Um, and stars Marshala Ali, <laughs> um, Janelle Monet, Naomi Harris, who is unrecognizable. And then the people who play um, Chiron and his di- three different stages of life. Alex R. Hibbert, who's the little kid who plays him when he's mm-hmm. little. Um, then, hold on, I'm scrolling. Then we've got Ashton Sanders, who plays him when he's Chiron as a teenager. And then lastly, Trevante Rhodes, who plays him as Black, who is his the adult, older. the adult version of mm-hmm. him. Those are the big names you're going to know in this movie, and I felt it was important to highlight everyone who played Chiron. Obviously, you can go to Internet Movie Database to find out everyone else who's in the movie. Um, we kind of did this on AFI, and I kind of like keeping this tradition sure. of the Metascore and the reviews. Sure. Metascore is a 99 Metascore, which is one of the best ones. Pretty good. Yeah. There are very few 100 Metascores, and they're usually classic films that have 100 mm-hmm. Metascores. It oddly has a 7.6 out of 10 for user reviews. So, obviously, it's the internet. User reviews don't really carry a lot of weight. I no. scroll through some of them, no. and it was things like waste of time, piece of trash, all things that all things are very incorrect, in my opinion. And we don't need to get into the whole... We're not going to give the trolls weight, so... Just know that don't always go by user reviews. Judge for yourself. Mm-hmm. All right. Moonlight. So. So. This 
I, I want to say the first thing I noticed about this movie, and it's the very first thing that we actually see, is a, it's a beautifully shot film. I agree. Uh, the cinematography is just great. They do, which is very common now in film, is it's just they augment, um, almost do a, augment the saturation and everything, so everything is just a lot brighter. Obviously, they're in Miami, Miami so, so everything a... is very colorful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is very augmented in this film as well. I agree. I personally am really big on storytelling and character development. If one of those two things is out of sync, it really ruins the movie for me. doesn't matter what it looks like. Mm -hmm. If I can't connect with the characters and I don't feel compelled by the story, I'm not a big fan of the film. Going into this, I was, we saw La La Land before the Oscars, and mm-hmm. I really liked La La Land. I'm a little biased because I really like Emma Stone, we'll just put that out there. And Whiplash was a really great movie, we saw that. Mm-hmm. I know that didn't win the Oscar for Best Picture, but it's by the same director. And so, the Oscars, jazz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when the Oscars finished, it finishes at about 10.30 at night on a Sunday, our time, yeah. and we both are adults who have full-time jobs, so I was really tired, and I just wanted the Oscars to end, and then, you know, La La Land wins, great, that's what everyone expected, done, oh wait, no, Moonlight won, and I kind of threw a hissy fit of, this is embarrassing, why did this happen? I thankfully did not let that taint my view of this film. I was a little hesitant going in because I was worried it was going to be a downer. I see the word drama and I'm like, nope, downer. Pleasantly surprised that Mm -hmm. while it had its tumultuous areas and things that made me sad, overall not a downer. That's good. That actually kind of, I almost kind of felt the same way. Usually when you see this type of stuff in titles and movies and things, you get a little discouraged that it might lead to something bad and i would feel this way regardless of the mm-hmm. color of the cast yeah. it had nothing to do with that it's just like uh, downer movie yeah, it might be and but I, thankfully but it's it's not uplifting it's not a feel-good movie but it's really compelling and it moves and the whole perspective of you you talk about your your coming of age discussion that you talked about before we were recording um and now you can't think of it i can't even think about it um just it's a different way to present it is a different way to present a coming of age story you go usually when you see coming of age stuff it's just like here's a little kid and he doesn't know what life is and then it just precedes him to become an adult obstacles in his life and this is how it's going to affect how he becomes a man this film, I think, was a different take on a coming-of-age film where it's you see the struggles that he actually goes through. Living at home, mm-hmm. bullying with school, mm-hmm. um, not really having a father figure oh, yeah. in his life. Um, so and he the doesn't one really... father figure who he does have growing up is a drug dealer. Yeah. Who... I'm not going to say that part. I didn't feel yeah. like it'll be a spoiler. <laughs> We're not going to... Spo- spoiler rules are if it's... Older than 10 years, spoilers are not in effect, but since this movie just came out, I'm not going to give away some things. Not that there's any, like, huge plot twist spoilery no. things. No, Some stuff is like, oh, well, you're obviously going to see that coming. I'm still not going to talk um, about that part. Yeah. Um, 
and you know with the concept and as he matures the concepts and ideas mm-hmm. also mature with him as well especially with him coming to terms of whether questioning his sexuality yes. um this was the first l g b t movie and all black cast to ever win an oscar and it's kind of sad that it took 89 years to get there <laughs> but i feel like at the same time, I feel like this is a step in the right direction. It is. Especially for um, black directors yep. and filmmakers in Hollywood. And actors and everyone in Hollywood. I feel like in the They past, are underrepresented. Yes. We, we could get into this whole discussion about Abs- last year's debacle with everyone who was nominated and every yeah, film was absolutely. white. Absolutely. And you could make the argument of, well, if that didn't happen, would this have even been nominated? Would it have won Best Picture? Yes, it would have. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's a great film. Like I said, not a feel-good film. Not something I'm going to feel the need to watch over and over again. But am I glad I experienced it and mm-hmm. got to see it? Yes. Am I disappointed in myself for not seeing it earlier? Yes, I am. Okay. Good. Because I was, I was too... I hate to bring up La La Land again. That's fine. But, you can bring but up La La to La compare, Land again. But to compare the two movies, one is very much... La La Land was an interesting film because it was a modern day musical. It was mm-hmm. an interpretation of a modern day musical. And that's something that's not necessarily done um, in films today. And usually when Oscars come to this type of stuff, they tend to celebrate this type of They material. celebrate gimmick. Yes. They don't always celebrate story. Mm-hmm. And kind of stealing from you mm-hmm. a little bit, La La Land is fluffy. Yeah, it has its darker moments. But it's fluff. It it's doesn't f- musical fluff. It it follows a re- that movie follows a relationship. It does. And I can tell you right now, like Five Hundred Days of Summer or anything like yeah. that. It which is a great movie. Again, a great movie, but it follows that same structure. Yes. Of here's a relationship. It's not the beginning nothing, and end of a relationship. There's nothing inventive no. about that storytelling. It's mm-hmm. boy meets girl. You know, it's yeah. one of those three standard, you know, storytelling things. Whereas this film is an interesting take on that coming-of-age story where he's not only becoming of age, but coming to terms of what is actually happening in his life. Yeah, who he is as a person. Yeah. And it's not based on a relationship really at all. I mean, the the thread that carries through the most is the relationship with his mother and his relationship with Kevin... Yeah. However you want to define relationship with mm-hmm. that. But yeah, I mean, part of what we're going to do on here, and it's difficult that we're starting with, the, difficult to do because we're starting with the most recent film, but the whole, of everything that was nominated or what, you know, should have won or what did win, will this stand the test of time? Will we look back in even five years and say, does this movie still speak to us? Is Not even necessarily is it still mm-hmm. relevant, but is this going to stand the test of time? Or was it a gimmicky thing? We can even go back two years and look at Birdman. Uh, absolutely. Birdman was... I'm not... Okay, because I, I really feel, like... I almost feel like we should save that for that I know. podcast. I know, I'll stop. I like Inuritu as a director... 
But we'll just say, we'll mm-hmm. leave that there. I think there's other movies. But that then that, that also there. comes to the question again, is this film, is it going to be the situation where we're going to be talking about one film over the other that this should have won over the other? No, I don't think so. I think this was the... I think this, this was the winner. Film. We didn't see... We haven't seen the entire list, and that'll happen a lot because as... We'll go through the, the decades and the years, and we're actually going to mix this up and do these randomly instead of doing them in order because otherwise mm-hmm. we're going to end up in a weird period. Yeah, just we're going to do them randomly and help kind of just mix it up, keep everyone on their toes, don't get lulled into complacency. Where was I going with this? I've completely lost my train of thought. Oh, no. Oh, seeing all the movies. They've increased the number back up to 10, and there are some years where there's like... It's just... It's like 12 movies are nominated, and this isn't like in the 2000s or the 90s. This is like back in like the 60s and 70s and 50s. Yeah. And it's... We don't have the opportunity to see every single Oscar picture. And we keep ourselves informed about what they're about, who's in them, directors, all that good stuff. But to your conversation of did this deserve to win over everything else or are we going to look back at the list mm-hmm. and say, well, maybe this one should have won because we have we've researched the list quite a bit and we'll get into these discussions with the other films. And I agree. And again, it's hard because this literally and it's not that we just watched it, but it literally came out less than six months ago. Yeah. We can't. And there's one of those movies that kind of flew under mm-hmm. the radar. Um and that's, that's the problem with some of these movies is a lot of them tend to put out the movies towards the end of the year, like right. November, December. And they kind of fly under the radar and, and those movies end up getting picked up. And I get a little irritated sometimes when movies do this because in order to be eligible for that year's Oscars, you have to release your movie before December, before December 31st. And it has to be... A relative, it, like, there's a specific size number for the release of like the number of theaters it needs to be in. Absolutely. So something will do a limited release on December 26th, they get nominated for the Oscars, and if you don't live in a big enough city, and we live in a relatively big city where mm-hmm. we are afforded the opportunity to go see these Luckily, movies Luckily, we're in actually smaller. able to see some of these yeah, films. Yeah, we have smaller, arty, art house, small release theaters where we can see them. But people who live in smaller towns that only have, you know, the multiplex that shows the 15 biggest movies don't have the opportunity to go see it and you'll after it either gets nominated or wins and then they put it in wide release, mm-hmm. which they did do with Moonlight. After it won, they put it back in and wide release. And a lot release. of films, they actually do that too. Well, with... Again, going back to La La Land, we tried to go see it when it came out, and we couldn't because there wasn't a theater nearby showing it until like three weeks later Mm -hmm. after it won the Golden Globe. Then it went wide. And yeah, it just... We're going to get into all that stuff about... There's one year in particular that I know we're just going to yell about what won, and we're not going to talk about it right now. So I really enjoyed Moonlight, even though I was not expecting to. I agree. Because I was... Is... I keep feeling the need to qualify this. I was not expecting to like it because it's a drama. And mm-hmm. it's, you know... Takes place in a, like a, an impoverished, you know, crime-ridden neighborhood. I was expecting death and violence. And as I was reading through the trivia, which I'm going to cut out for... with If you listen to AFI, that was like my whole thing. Like I read like all the interesting trivia from IMDb. What's your little like? 
And I'm going to do it a little bit. Like, I'll just kind of drop them here and there. And one mm-hmm. of the things is that even though it takes place in, you know, violent areas, crime-ridden areas, and guns are shown, there is not a gunshot in the whole movie. There is not a gun-related, violence-related death in the entire film. And as Which some... I thought was an interesting aspect mm-hmm. because it was not about the environment. It was actually just about the but, characters. Exactly. About the characters And themselves. I was reading on IMDb as well as the, the director who's from the area that the film is set in, and he also had a mother who struggled with addiction, so I think it's a little... Bio- it, not, biographical? No, I, I'm not going to say that, but his it was definitely influenced by... Because it's based on a play, an mm-hmm. unproduced play, mm-hmm. called In the Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. That's the name of the play that he did not write. It's kind of adapted. That's why if you watch the credits, it's a story by, but the screenplay was by Barry Jenkins. Ah, So he grew up in the Miami area and he said he lived in this really great, beautiful neighborhood that was still riddled with crime and things like that. So going back to what you said, it's a really beautifully shot film. And that has to do with you know, lighting and cinematography and exposure and frame rate and all that technical stuff that I don't understand. And I just like to rattle off like I do. Um, it's, you know, it's still a gritty, like he still is bullied. There's violence. It's mostly physical, like getting beaten up violence. Physical abuse, yeah. Physical abuse. Not by his mother. We never no. see his mother. It's all verbal abuse from his mother. But, you know, he gets bullied and beat up and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's still... And at one point, he does retaliate. He does. We're not going to spoil that, though. But it's pretty... That was a big... That was a shit. big... That was a shit moment. And there's your explicit a, tag. That was a big hurrah moment, I think, for Yeah. Me. Mm, I don't know. Bit, a little bit. I don't know if that was a hurrah moment. Maybe. It was nice to see him stand up for himself in that manner, but what... And that's what I think How I he mean, got to there is I'm, not... And that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm it's not hurrah, a good... But, yeah. But overall, a really great, powerfully told film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As someone who is white and a woman, I found it very compelling mm-hmm. to watch. And not not painful. Like, like I said, there's tumultuous and sad situations, but it's not like cringing away from the screen. Yeah. Like, oh, please don't make me watch this anymore mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like some films that I've had to watch for the AFI list. Yes. Shinless um, list. Yes. Um, Which guess what? We get to watch again. For this uh, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that's a while down the road. Uh, hopefully. Um, there is something that I do really enjoy. I lost my train. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's um, again. We are not professionals in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> We're not professional podcasters. Uh, this is gonna be a We're great professional podcast. people. Um, it is going to be a great. I haven't yawned once. Did you notice? No, no. Because <laughs> we're recording no. this on Sunday morning and not Keeping in the middle of the night. Keeping that count. Yeah. Keeping that count. That's um, for you, the fans of AFI who know about that. Do you get your train of thought back? No, I have okay. my train of thought back. Um. I, oh, here's the thing that I actually really noticed and I really liked about it is this sense of motifs almost. It, like, expand on that because I don't really so, know what you mean by that. So in the beginning of the film. We when we meet Tryron or Little mm-hmm. at, at this point at this point in the chapter of the of the movie where he's working with Juan he's meeting with Juan he's actually yeah. interacting with Juan um, connecting's a good word because why you say working with Juan it makes it sound like he's he's not like really working with Juan but connecting with Juan 
there's a point in the film where um, he actually he he takes Juan takes him to a beach. Yes, and he oh, teaches, I like this. And, um, at at one point, he just teaches him how to learn to swim, and it almost it's a nice thing to actually. It's almost like a baptism type of thing, and that was a reference that I also kind yeah, of yeah, I there. I can kind of understand Two what you is, mean by that. Him trying to draw him, kind of giving him almost a rebirth, trying to draw him away from kind of the nastiness and the evilness of of the world, despite what Juan is. Well, and then within every chapter, we return to the water in some scene. Absolutely. Yep. We can get deep on this sort of stuff. Absolutely. It's not all just our thoughts and feelings. Um, Colin actually took a film class. I actually... I'd like to say I'm a film theorist, but I'm very... You took one film class. I still enjoy film. Yes, you do enjoy anyway. film theory. Um, I failed that film Just class. this idea of Juan trying to protect him from whatever it is. Yeah. Evil and bad things are actually out there. But still, in a way, kind of fails at that. Absolutely. Because as we see in the third act, mm-hmm. he falls into something that he, he's known. It's the only thing he knows. That's true. Where it's his exposure from Juan as a drug dealer, even though he tries to shy him away from that. Right. His mother yep. actually being a user. I would blame his mother more for it than mm-hmm. Juan, but... And despite all his efforts, he still yep. gets back there. Mm-hmm. And even but... people that are in his life try to redirect him in some right. way. There's just, there's a lot of, you just need to watch it. There's a lot of interesting, and it's not like you have to read really deeply into the narrative to, like, make these connections. It's pretty on the surface, not in a, like, I don't mean on the surface in, like, a negative mm-hmm. way. Like, it's superficial and surfacey. It's But it's not, well, I you mean, don't have to watch it super intensely, like, watching for these Well, I mean, things. there's some interesting things, like, um... I notice this on his th- phone in the third act as he's as he's black. Um, black he, is the nickname that he the takes. nickname that he gets yes. in the in his in, in the yeah. third act. He's little in the first act, Chiron in the second act, and black. Yeah, is his, is his like dealer name in the third in, act, which I think was a great way to split up that story. Yes, I agree. Um, and I also liked how they actually ch- did the chapters for it, where it's actually a little eye, so it's almost an appendix mm-hmm. to his life. Yes. Um, which is great. Oh my god, I keep losing the train of thought. Sorry, and I was um, going to sneeze and I was making weird faces. Sorry. I'm fine now. Um, you were talking about, I were talking about like... It be you don't have to ro- watch super intensely to That's catch right. these connections. So I mean, there is some deep, deeper meaning to stuff like um, on his phone. I, it's, yeah, it's a yeah, split on second on his phone. Um, and instead of his mom's name, it just is, it says his mom's name is Paula, Paula. Yeah. instead of mom or right. something like that. This disconnect, and you can tell there was still a disconnect right. between him and his mother. Yes, well, you have a disconnect from your mother, too, if she acted like that. Yeah, absolutely. Even despite what, again, happens to her in yes. the third act, there is still, you could you can sense some tension between yes. those. Yes, there is a nice resolve. By the way, a, 
odd to her because she... Oh my gosh. It's Okay, so Naomi Harris plays his mother and mm-hmm. Naomi Harris is Money Penny in Skyfall Inspector, the last two Bond films. And she is like unrecognizable in that... Unbelievable. Yeah. Wasn't there like something weird about the sh- shooting days as well? Like Yes. Um, she shot her entire... All, all of her scenes and she is... Which is... This is kind of spoilery, I guess. She's the only character that appears in all three acts, or like the only like supporting character that's not one of the two main. It's not Kevin and not Chiron mm-hmm. that appears in all three acts of the film. Mm-hmm. And she shot her entire shooting sequence in three days while she was on the Spectre promotional tour because she had an issue with her visa that wouldn't let her come and work here. And apparently, they shot all her stuff out of order because they had to catch everything. And this movie was shot in 25 days over October and November in 2015 in Miami. That And really, when you think about filming, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. The amount of that you were able to shoot. I sometimes think that the films that are filmed in the shortest amount of time are sometimes the best. That's true. You see a lot of films that you find out, like, yeah, this was shot in 16 days over, you know... And this reminds me of something In that, order over 16 And this days. actually reminds me of something that director Guillermo del Toro said mm-hmm. on a podcast that I listened to. That he um, he finds that... You can the, say it's the Nerdist. You listen to it on the Nerdist. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. That, like, what I really enjoyed about it is that like as he's filming, as he's filming um, certain things, the days that he actually sets up things, the days... Or the shots that he's really looking forward to are the biggest letdowns to him. Mm. And the days that he's just shooting normal stuff are the days that actually surprise him. Okay. So if... And that's what I feel like with this film was they shot it with no expectations of what could actually happen. In a way. What do you mean? There's no special effects and stuff. No, I'm just saying as far as performances and things like that. Okay, fair enough. I don't know if that really works with this okay. movie, okay. in my opinion. But I might just edit this out. Well, don't worry about <laughs> it. It's fine. So, I feel like that's all I have to really... Because I, I don't want to go too far into it and give away everything about the movie, mm-hmm. and then you don't go see it if you haven't seen it already, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this. Just, it, it's, it's a movie that needs to be experienced. Okay. It's a good movie. Okay. Um, I guess... We should answer the big question that we should answer in every okay. podcast, which is, does this film deserve Best Picture? Yes, it does. Okay. Looking at the list of what was nominated this year, yes, it does. Now, you can make the argument, like, what about Fences? What about Lion? What about things like that? I feel like this is going to stand up against time because it is relevant no matter when we're watching it. And here's the thing, and, the, and this is the, kind of the reason why I've always wanted to do this podcast since its inception, mm-hmm. essentially. Which was like two years ago, and yeah. we're now finally getting yeah. around yeah. to um, it. Uh, <laughs> um, the thing about this podcast is that um, when you watch a best picture, it's a film that sticks with you and doesn't. It should be a film that sticks and with you. And doesn't go away. Correct. This film, I get the feeling like, even though we just we literally li- finished watching it, we literally like finished watching ago. it. It's a type of film that I can tell that is going to stick around for a while. Mm-hmm. And it is not 
gonna go away. And speaking as having watched all 100 AFI films, which you know, if they release another list this year, we'll have to figure out what we're gonna do about that. Not you and I, but Jeff and mm-hmm. I. Um, you know, there are some films on there that had no effect on me whatsoever, or that I had seen, or just like I completely forgot they're on the list. And there are some films that stuck with me for a mm-hmm. long time and still to this day do. I feel like Do the Right Thing is is one of those. And films. I feel like this I is actually, in a weird way, this is a almost a harken back to Do the Right Thing, where mm. a little bit where we kind of. Going we were hesitant about watching it and now looking forward to watching it. Certain expectations and then... It ended up being a very, very good experience. That's how I'm going to say it. Yes. Again, is Do the Right Thing a movie I watch over and over again? No. But it no. did affect me? It yes. did. It did. I like so. this. I, th- I think this is a good movie. I think so, people should yes. experience this movie. And what? trust me, I'm not a yes person. There will be some movies that we hit, and I'm going to go, why? Absolutely. Why did we do this? Why did we do this? So out of the films that we've seen so far, <laughs> where do you think this, how do you think this film ranks against No, I'm not else? ranking it against 88 other movies. I'm not doing it. Because when we did the AFI list, it was like, does this deserve to be higher or lower on the yeah. list? No, this is, did this deserve to win Best Picture? Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> End of discussion. Okay. So. Okay. So we had to take a quick break there to find what movie we're doing next. So we are taking. We're doing a little bit something different with this podcast. So we're going through the list as we wanted to do this film first because it was the most it was most current. So what we're going to do with these films is we're going to watch them kind of we're watching them out of order of, i already said that order. we're watching them out of order so, random random number generator literally yeah. taking 89 1 through 89 and figuring out which movie we're gonna watch so we're going backwards moonlight was one mm-hmm. wings which is the fir- very first best picture winner is number 89 yeah we came up with number 75 which is the 14th annual academy awards which took place in 1941 um, How Green Was My Valley is the next film we will be talking about. It Ray. is a John Ford film. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, directed by John Ford, produced by Daryl Zanuck, starring the only names I recognize are Maureen O'Hara and Roddy McDowell. Okay. So we'll get into that. All right. Next episode. So with that. Welcome to Welcome. the Top Shelf Oscars Best Pictures. We're doing We're it! We're doing it! We're making it work! <laughs> um, so hopefully, I mean, this episode, not this episode was a downer, it was kind of this, subdued. This episode it's a, it's was, too, it, We're too close to it. I'm not going to lie, this refer- episode was kind of rough. But it'll be, we'll get better. We'll get better. As it goes with any podcast, you got to give Sorry. it some time. Sorry. All right, so thank you for listening, everyone. Um... We don't really have a sign-off We don't have a sign-off yet. yet. We will find something. I need it to happen organically. We'll work on that. So So for now, we'll say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending. <laughs>